Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans. As we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue podcast channel. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and I'll be hosting today's show on the back of an Everton win, I'll be happy to say. My guests, all three of them, are happy too, as we will discuss and debate the Bournemouth victory, among other things. My first guest, I'm viewed from the Gladys Street regular, it's Rob Astle. Hello, Rob. Evening, mate. You okay? I am. I'm not too bad. My second guest, and sat to my right, we have Connor O'Neill. How you doing, Connor? Zubazi and yourself? Yeah, good, good. All, all the better for uh, yesterday's win. Um, and my third guest, I'm making his first appearance on the show, having been drafted in from the Royal Blue Facebook group, we have Matthew Barry. Hello, Matthew. Evening, Ian. How are you? Um, I'm very good, thank you. Just to let you know, everyone, Matthew has travelled all the way from Cardiff for today's podcast. That is dedication right there. How was the journey up? Lovely, thank you. All good. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, um, also on it, today's agenda, we're going to discuss Luca Dean, Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, as well as much more. Um, just a shout out to anyone else who's listening who fancies coming on the show. Get in touch with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at IanCroll1. That's exactly what Matthew did, and here he is. All views and opinions are welcome. You can also join the debate via our Royal Blue Facebook page. Search Royal Blue on Facebook and ask to join and we will approve your request. Um, we haven't had a guest or a first-time guest on the show for a while, so usually, Matthew, we, we just try to, you know, you do obviously listen to the podcast, but we, we get an assessment or a, an opinion or a view on how well you think Silver's doing, how well you think that the season's gone so far. So the floor is yours. What, what have you made of Everton so far this season? I think there's certainly been bumps in the road um, with a new manager who's adopting a new style of play and trying to bring in his own players. Then there's always going to be teething problems. Um, I think you can certainly see that the difference that he's, he's trying to make, certainly with the manager from last year. And there's definitely a disparity between the quality of the players who he's brought in and, and the players who's, who he's in, inherited. So sometimes the game plan doesn't doesn't go, but I think... There are really positive signs um, out there. And I think that when he does get his own signings in and, and he's got his own players who can adapt to the way he wants to play, then I think we'll see a really, really good quality side and, and a really good manager. And did you watch yesterday's yesterday's game? I did, yeah. What did you make of it? Obviously, a bit tough at the, the beginning. but Yeah, I, I think it, Bournemouth could sense that we were a little bit nervy. Um I'd like to thank Anthony Taylor for being a bit of a lightning rod where all the angst and anger, um, he managed to take it all in and, and the faithful stayed with the players and, and they, they didn't have a go at them. And thankfully, whatever Mr. Silver said at halftime, managed to uh, to get them going for the second half. Rob, uh, to the Bournemouth performance then. Um, how big, how big, oh, not the performance, just the win. How big a, how big a win was that for, for uh, us? Not, not just us as a club and fans, but for Silver. Oh, it was massive, and you could see when Carvalho Lewin scored his reaction of what it kind of meant. You know, the cup game aside, we've obviously been on like a torrid, torrid run, and it's been, 
you just kind of need to get a win a win on the board, don't you, to get it out of your system. And the first 25, 30 minutes yesterday, you just thought that was a team who, who they were just short on confidence. The confidence was shot. And Bournemouth had chances and, you know, I think a decent team probably would have put us to the sword there, really. But, but yeah, you know, we, we dug deep in the end, as Matthew alluded to there, you know, the referee, did, it didn't help us, but it kind of spared the crowd on a bit to, it turned Goodison a bit nasty and it turned... It turned out, I felt it turned Everton a little bit nasty as well in the end. You know, we started fighting things a lot more. Um, and we scored two great goals and uh, thoroughly deserved the win, but it was, it was huge, huge. Because we've got, obviously we're Bournemouth yesterday, we've got Southampton Huddersfield. and then Huddersfield with the, with a cup game sandwiched in between it. And it's the two away games that two away games there against teams who are scrapping now for their lives more than, you know, more than we are. And it's, it's important to get confidence back up and we can go there now. And uh, fully have a go at them, and hopefully come away with the uh, keep keep a little get a get a little run going. They're playing on Wednesday night as well. In the yes, in the cut, yeah, yeah. yeah. Connor, did, did you think after like tw- you know twenty minutes or so of the game? Because I felt like there was a, probably a ten minute period in the first half where we put a couple of passes together and we looked like we were, you know, getting back on track. But the, that first twenty minutes wasn't great, was it? Did you think you know this is going to be a long afternoon at Goodson Park? Yeah, and it, it was it was very alarming because. It was kind of like we kind of reconfirmed that we're in a slump. Not nothing really went, is it? We got caught, we caught in the ball. You know, our lack of pace kept getting sort of shown up for what it is. But David Brooks, um, not David, Brooks, David Brooks, it is, isn't it? The the, mm. the, the kid who, who hit the post and yeah, yeah. You no, know, he really should have scored. We should have really been behind, and we got a little bit fortunate there. But I think you've got to ride your luck sometimes and come out of it the other side. And, and thankfully we did. And I think. The relief more than anything. It was relief more than anything because I think what Rob said there, January was a big month. I mean, I'm, I was on a couple of weeks ago after I think it might have been Brighton game in between New Year, and we kind of spoke about the fact that you know January we, we had all these teams, but sometimes playing all them teams doesn't it doesn't bring doesn't bring guaranteed points, does it? And mm. what he didn't want to do was was a bad result there, a bad result to Southampton. Strolling the cup at Millwall, which will be a hard game, and then all of a sudden you're going to Huddersfield. Then in the last Wednesday of the month, they're down there scrapping for their lives. You know, you didn't want to get into that situation where it's neck and neck. And thankfully, you know, we come up with the trump yesterday after a slow and sluggish start. And I think what's key as well is like other results kind of didn't go out. Well, some of them went our way, some of them didn't. And I think if we'd have lost yesterday or not picked up points, I think. That seventh position, you know, we know we're not good enough to go for top the, the, the sixth anymore. It's it's too far, it's too far gone that. But you know, what are we? Is it a point off seventh? You know, two, it's two. like two points. It's really concertina in that area now. And you know, yesterday was vitally important to keep up with the likes of West Ham and um, and Watford because obviously they're good wins themselves. And we've still got to go and play them as well. So you know, if you can get wins there, then you, you kind of push yourself up back up to that seventh position and be the best of the rest so to speak I think that was the thing wasn't it with, with before the game was was that we were in 11th but we were in an 11th position where you're looking up but you're also nervously looking over your shoulder at the same yeah. time as well it, it wasn't a, you know you've seen a couple of times over the last couple of years 11th being quite comfortable hasn't it I mean you know, like Burnley and you know, newly promoted teams have, have got their mid t- mid mid season and, and, and it's looked quite comfortable it was not really like that now in the Premier League because a lot of clubs have had a bounce, you know, Burnley had a bounce, Southampton had a bounce, mm. or, and all of a sudden we were kind of in a position where you're thinking, 
well, we can scrape for three, four wins together. We could, you know, push up the table. Yeah. Yeah. But if we don't win for three or four games, we could be looking nervous over our shoulder. And you, you don't, you certainly don't want to be in that position. You, you know, we, we can, and you can't afford to be in that position because it, it, the pressure then tells. And you know, we've seen already this year, haven't we? There's certain people who still have big question marks over Marco Silva, and a lot will be said about that when you start slump on a slump and you're struggling and. You, you, you just have to put points on the board and that's thankfully what we've done on Sunday. I think that's the little bit of unfairness at, at the manager where people start pointing fingers towards him. But if you look at the players who he's brought in, they're by far and away the best players we've got. It's it's the mm-hmm. players who he's inherited who are struggling. Who are struggling. Yeah. And there's, there's such a disparity in quality between what he's brought in and, and what he's inherited that it's really, really difficult. Like you mentioned about playing, playing out from the back yesterday. Michael Keane is, is really good at that. Kurt Zuma is, is really, really good at that. But we get bogged down a little bit in the nervousness and then Pickford starts hitting it long and the ball starts coming back and it's, it's difficult to, to cope with as soon as we've got players who he's fully confident in who are able to take the ball off the centre-back or walk the ball from mm. the back to the front, then... I don't think honestly what we'll see. Yeah, I just think it, I just thought it, it, I agree with everything that you're saying, but I think from a perspective where our own owner comes out and says 11th isn't good enough for the AGM last week, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right, but it's also put massive pressure on Marco Silva because well, has, he, has he been he, under genuine pressure then before this game, as in to the point where his job is at stake? No, I don't think he's been under genuine pressure where his job is at stake. I think he's been under pressure in terms of. He's at a point now where he had to start picking up points in this month we had because we didn't want to be nervous looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And when your owner comes out and says 11's not good enough, which we all agreed it's not, is it? Mm-hmm. But to say it in the, that way in the, in, at the moment in time where we've been on a bit of a, a rugged run was quite interesting for me because he must have known what the comment was going to... And it gives them... It almost gives any missions to them Evertonians who sit out there who, who, who've got question marks over Silver saying, well, if we have a bad January and we go to 13th, 14th, how can he keep his job? You know, 11th wasn't good enough. So what's 14th? Why is that good enough? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's a sort of a double-edged sword in, <coughs> in respect that it's directed at the manager, but I think it all could be directed at the players as well mm-hmm. because the, the manager can, can coach and coach and coach and coach, but if, if the players aren't good enough, and bear in mind they're the players who got the last three managers sacked. Mm that there's only so far you, you, you can go with them and everybody's improving season on season. So West Ham have improved, Leicester have, have improved. Mm-hmm. You know, Everyone's uh, spending money though, aren't they? So it's they not, are. we've spent money, so it's not, it's still a bit of a level, level playing field. We're not, you know, in the upper but, echelons of but we, what we've, we've spent or anything yeah, like that. We, we've spent to stand still because we, we had to. In a way, maybe even spent to, to go backwards. Bit, <laughs> you, know, you look at Bournemouth yesterday, They've got Callum Wilson wasn't playing, but he's apparently worth fifty million. And Josh King, he's probably worth somewhere between thirty yeah. and forty million in the crazy illogical world of, of football. And you know we're we're struggling to get a striker. So Rob said about best of the rest. We used to be best of the rest, didn't we? Where we were finishing seventh or sixth or fifth, where it was the top four, and by or rather, now we're just among the rest, aren't we? So do we need to stop looking at? teams this could be an unpopular opinion but I'm just saying well it's only Brighton it's only Bournemouth it's only Burnley because we they, they, they've got quality as well the likes of Leicester Wolves they, they've got quality as well and fighting just as much as us we 
as a fan base and I'm not saying the players do that we just seem to think oh because we're Everton we can just roll these teams over and, and win football games I, easy I, when I, we've got I, a I think when we were the, the best in the rest of the David Moyers we kind of had the best of the rest squad we had you know like I said Phil Jagielka Leighton Baines Jordan Lescott who were really really you know went on to you know Jordan Lescott went on to play, become a Premier League winner with Manchester City then in midfield we had the likes of Mikel Arteta Stephen Pienaar you know again really really good players who, who obviously left us and went to clubs who were higher up but do we underestimate we also, these we, teams we, though we also had goal scorers you know we had Andy Johnson Yakubu Tim Cahill Tim Cahill used to chip in didn't he whereas now I think the reason why we're not so much the best of the rest is because we don't have a goal scorer and I think if you look at the like Celeste, they've got Jamie Vardy, they've got Madison, who, who's, who's, you know, chipped him with a lot of assists and looks a really, really good by for Leicester. Um, West Ham have got, obviously, Arnautovic, Felipe Anderson has been chipping in, you know. If they can get Andy Carroll back fit, he's another option for on the bench, off going forward for them. You know, we've been playing left winger from the large part of this season because we haven't got a forward. Mm-hmm. So you can't expect to be the best of the rest when you haven't got the, the best of the rest squad. Whereas under David Moyers, I firmly believe we did have the best of the rest. As well as the hard way. Because we had, uh, uh, yeah, we had everything. We had no real good team spirit togetherness. And we had a good mix of good, young, exciting players mixed with old heads like Sir Phil Neville, Tim Howard, people like that. And, you know, I, I look back, at, I think I was on the pod after the Leicester game. And, you know, the Leicester game was one chance in the whole game. And it felt to the best, the most natural goal scorer in the pitch and put in the back of the net. Yeah. And that's one thing that we haven't got. And that's why we are not the best of the rest. Or is it not a, a standalone best of the rest? Is it not down to mindset as well, though? Just to say, well, it's only it's only Bournemouth who should be should be beating them. But Bournemouth have got quality players, haven't they? They've got quality players, but I think I think where this this best of the rest thing comes from with Everton fans is in 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 our defence, we've finished sixth and seventh. I think let's say out the past fifteen years, we only finished like three times outside of that. Now that's the majority of the of the time isn't it you know and mm-hmm. I think that's why it kind of sticks and we're running the risk now of of, of really like being like a, a, a bog standard average mid-table team if we don't sort this you know the issues within the team out but I do still think we probably are the best of the rest but it needs tweaking because we've obviously had issues over the past couple of years style of play and stuff style like of play etc yeah you know we, we've gone through we've gone through like like Every phase, haven't really. Stupid amount of transitions when teams shouldn't really mm. do that. Should mm-hmm. be like one natural progression. When, to be fair, ever since Moyes left, something's not been right. As that we had that mm. one good, great season under Martinez, but even in the season when we did finish seventh under Cumin, you know, I think we went from October right the way through to December without a win. Without a win. Mm. I think the thing with with Moyes is that he ran everything. Yeah. So yeah. he he was completely in control from. Mm. The coaching to the training to the scouting to the he was you know he was totalitarian there was, there was nothing that in a football perspective went on without his say so so I suppose you could say now we're still lit we're still learning as a club how to how to be call it like a modern club if you like you know, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the same as and things yeah since Ferguson's gone they've gone to bits yeah you know and, and it is it's about it's about adapting and yeah. I think I think I, I do agree what you're saying we can't really call ourselves the best of the rest at the minute but I think on paper, I think we probably still are mm-hmm. on paper. It's just finding the right formula to make it work is the is the is the problem at the minute. I think with with brands now certainly being elevated to director and 
being in charge of the whole mm. of the football operation, then I think the model of what we're going to be doing and the way that all the teams will be playing and from a coaching perspective, I think regardless of who the manager is coming and going, the, the style and the pattern of play is going to be set and they'll get coaches in to, to fit that. Mm. And once we decide how we're going to play and, and what it's going to be, then I think they'll find fit for purpose players for that. And, yeah. And I think that'll make the difference. And then you become the best of the rest again, or you make that natural progression up to the top six, five, Absolutely. even maybe even uh, the Champions League places. I don't know. Yeah. But that's... Just, just look at it. You know, before we had a really bad December, we were four or five points off sixth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you consider how many games that we played in September, and you look at the t- sorry in December, and you look at the teams we played in December, it was it was the horrible, horrible month. Mm. It was a terrible month. In, really well, yeah. And he's, he's so re- Silver's so reliant on certain players that they they just ran into the ground. Mm. Come you know, between Christmas and and New Year. And just touching on that again, like just on on the the fact that he's the, in terms of like the the, the, the squad strength he's got. Although personally, he might have should have been booked. Might not have should have been booked. Whatever. But Andre Gomez was running a tightrope yesterday at one point, and it, I think it proved that Silver. I've got no faith in Tom Davis anymore to have brought him on and calmed things down. Because, you know, that referee who had that performance yesterday could have easily seen, you know, a red card, couldn't it? But well, we'll move on to this. Anthony Taylor before you start. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get... I, I'll get into that. Oh, yeah, I'll get into that. Don't worry. But what I'm saying is the, the squad depth there, I think he was like, well... I'd rather stick with Andre Gomez, Gomez and yeah. run on a tightrope because mm. to be honest, Andre Gomez couldn't make a tackle in the last 20 minutes. But he did though, didn't he? Because he, he got booked and then he, he committed the cardinal sin of he got all wound up, got booked yeah. and then run over, didn't yeah. he? And charged into someone and sent them flying. Yeah. And it was a sort of heart and mouth moment where everyone thought, he could go, he's, he's, he's going to go and he kind of got a, well, a stiff warning, didn't he? But the first booking was petty in itself. You know, he, got, that, he got wound up after that though, didn't he? And yeah. the, next, the next chance he got... He went steaming into someone and, and just took them out. But the ref went chasing Zuma as well after he yeah. booked mm-hmm. Gomez. He just... Well, he, if he was going to book Gomez, he should have booked the Bournemouth player as well. Yeah. And, he, and he didn't. Um, so, you know, the performance of Anthony Taylor was um, not in short of shocking, to be honest. But, Connor, what, what changed then in the second half? Because we were terrible, weren't we? You know, we weren't at the races whatsoever. What what changed in that second forty five minutes that enabled us to get the three points? I think we played with a little bit more belief. I think we looked a little bit more up for it. You know, I think the crowds helped the way they turned on the referee, kind of, you know, brought people on. And I, I think I think it's confidence. I mean, I I think that you know when you're struggling in football, you know the com- your confidence on the floor, uh, and we've seen that over the years. Watching everything mean, the last couple of years when we've been down, everything goes against you. You know. And I think we had a little bit of luck in the first half. We rolled our we rolled our luck, and I think we just got a little bit more belief in the second half. And you know, we got a goal off a set piece, and then it kind of gives you something to think, to to hold on to now and, and and see out. And you know, obviously we, we got a second, but I just think it's belief. I think you know you you've got to have belief in football, haven't you? If you're going to you've got to have belief in anything, if you're going to do it, and the minute you don't, the minute then you know doesn't really work out and. I just think we, we found a little bit of belief and a little bit of a little bit of pride as well. I mean, Matthew, you've mentioned there about you, you feel that <coughs> Zuma and Keener um, 
well adapted or well equipped to to play out from the back. Mm-hmm. Speaking to Rob yesterday after the game, and I felt that the one thing that we did in the second half was not play out from the back. Yeah. Um, I at the moment don't think the the back four, other than Luca Dean, are, are good enough to to play out straight from a kick from from Pickford. And I felt the second half we were playing our football further up the pitch whether yeah. it was a bit more direct I don't know I don't know what you think but I I think that yesterday certainly with the conditions that were that they were playing in yeah um, I think that trying to Bournemouth were pressing as yesterday mm-hmm. and I think to try and play through them we just couldn't do it so we had to go long to, in, in some respects and I think that suited us because Richarlison in the second in the second half, in the first half, he was getting a bit bullied, I think, by by Ake. But in the second half, he was completely different. He was up for the headers. He was running into the channels. He was far, far more aggressive. And I think that that helped change the whole complexion of the second half because the tempo was up as well. And I think that going back to, to Zuma and Keane playing out from the back and not just blaming them too. I just think it's as, as a team, yeah. as a whole, you know, the midfield coming to ask for the ball as well and giving options and stuff like that. I felt too many occasions this season that we've we've put ourselves under unnecessary pressure and we've conceded the goals. And I felt in the second half we were we we didn't go route one. I'm not saying we no. did that, but you know, our play was further up the pitch and maybe Pickford took the you know the opportunity of kicking it long rather than passing it short, which was only beneficial to, beneficial to us. We, I think. Sorry, I think I think what it might. I don't think Zuma and Keane are necessarily the problem in playing out from the back. I think it's our mobile midfield when it comes to because they're obviously looking for a pass, and you've got a just a guy whose distribution's poor anyway. So it's looking at Andre Gomez, and he's already marked because if the legs are Bournemouth, they're just gonna they're just gonna press you straight away. So there's no way for them to go. So that's why. Maybe we did go long a little bit in the after, in, in the second in the second half yesterday because that way you you bypassing all that and the ball's already closer to you know is in the opposition half mm-hmm. then and Sigurdsson can pick it up which he did in the second half I thought he had a poor first half <coughs> and he can start dictating what's going on and getting Luchman and Bernard and stuff into the game you, and you don't want Gomez on Keane or Zuma's toes you want him in the centre circle yeah. head up and see the whole of the pitch yeah and so it's, he's the only outlet to me because Garner as you quite rightly say just isn't good enough. His distribution's not great, yeah. So I think that's that's kind of like the real the, the problem there in terms of playing off on the back isn't necessarily the two centre halves. It's the centre halves options where they're going next, mm. really. See, I, I think, and this is probably a tad controversial, but I actually think Jordan Pickford doesn't help playing off on the back because he's very erratic. Well, we, we said this. And, and mm. his kicking yesterday in that first half, 25 minutes was erratic. There was a couple where he sliced out of play, and I, I think sometimes gets a little bit maybe too excited and, and looks to play too quick and it, it, I mean there was an incident in the first half where I think he went to pass to Michael Keane who wasn't expecting it he kind of tried to nudge, remember it. He yeah, kind of yeah. tried to nudge onto Andre Gomez who wasn't expecting yeah. it and Bournemouth got in and I think it went out for a corner and that all come from Pickford trying to play out yeah. dead fast from the back and you're just thinking to yourself hey we're under pressure so why are you doing it anyway and B He's trying to pass it on an angle to the centre back, who's at right, basically right back, and the centre midfielder, who's basically two, like five yards mm. up from him. So mm. it's the two angles where he, it was kind of, and 
you know, that could have resulted in a goal. I mean, and, that it, and it, it did. It did look. I mean, King Kans had done his best to just sort of flick it on. The flick got absolutely nowhere near Andre Gomez and Bournemouth were in. And I, I think sometimes he is a big culprit of the playing off from the back. And I when, think sorry. he puts his back four under unnecessary pressure, trying to play up and trying to push it. When we were when they left, Silver was screaming at Keane to tell Pickford to calm down, to slow the game down, because he was. You're right. He's so erratic that he just wants to get on with the game straight. Like, hang on, we're winning. Slow there, down. There's two moments late on in the second half as well when he comes steaming out, and it's like the centre half's got that cover, mate. What are you doing? Because all you know, you know, his kick on was already poor mm. anyway. So he's he's going to potentially boot it out into possession of a Bournemouth player, to, and there's an empty net there because he's come steaming out when there's no reason to. And I've defended pick. I'll defend Pickford a lot uh, because you know I think he'll. He'll save us more points than than he'll cost us, but this has been a poor six to eight weeks for him since that since that um, goal goal at Anfield. Anfield. Something's not been right with him, and there was a moment yesterday as well in the Gladys Street right, and I don't know whether anyone got onto this, but after that mistake that you alluded to there, yeah. where um, what was it you just Keen, Keen, Keen. And, yeah, Pickford gestured to the crowd. It's someone that had a pop at him in the in the in the stand, and he was just to say, "Calm down, calm down." And what happened to the last goalkeeper who did that? Yeah, you know, uh, you can't be doing that. Just get your game right back to basics. Do you think it, it may have to do with because he, he came back so late from the World Cup? No, he, I don't think we can use that as an excuse. And the about communication with. No, I don't think we can use that as an excuse. I think uh, he, he's had enough time to to bed himself in now with this back four. Um, I just think he's a, I think he's a young lad who has got a lot to learn. Still, you know, these keepers don't come into their own until the until you know the mid to late mid to late twenties. And I think it is about being too overexcited, to be honest. And yeah, we're I, to the point where it is, it is erratic. Like, surely when you, you're playing out from the back, like you know, let's take it to the extreme. And Barcelona obviously do it all the time. Surely they've got the players set up to the point they know exactly where they're going to be on the yeah. pitch and you know if you're not ready or you're not you're not ready for the ball I, I, then I just think don't don't give them the ball yeah, well, do you I know think what one of the best ones that are doing it actually was Roberto Martinez in his first season mm. he kind of mastered it in the in the trick that he used to use the two centre-backs as like decoy and Gareth Barry drop in and get the ball off the mm. goalkeeper centrally or if, they, or if he couldn't get it they'd go wide to his little full-backs who have gone on the touchline Whereas, well, we haven't got a Gareth Barry at the moment, have well, we? Well, well, oh no, we got Gomez, but you well, know. Even so, I, I just don't think we've got the, the the team to do that at the minute. The way we mm. set up, I think, you know, if we done that, it, it's it it's very that leaves us very very vulnerable because if Pickford's kick doesn't hit Coleman mm. and uh, the winger gets in, Coleman's legs are already slowing, shoulder slides are slowing down. He's under pressure straight away. So I think I just think. He, he needs to calm down, Pickford. I think I think that goal has sort of left him a little bit startled because there's and it's not even the case of oh you know it, it's a different back four and this that because a lot of these are just basic mistakes that you could make in playing in any team in any mm. in any football and I think sometimes for me he tries to impress and to do the hard stuff a little bit too much where I think you get a lot more credit if you just done the basics really really well every game. Mm. Just staying on uh, the defence, then Rob Keane, he's been he's been very good this season, hasn't he? Like let, let's not beat around the bush, and he's had a couple of decent performances over the, the past couple of weeks. But you can't, you know, dismiss the fact that he can. It was his fault for the Leicester goal. 
um, which cost us, mm-hmm. you know, the points. And then he's he made the mistake, didn't he? Again, similar, um, very similar. Very similar. Yeah, you know, I'm not, it wasn't the greatest of passes to him, mm-hmm. but it was his fault nonetheless. He's got to cut them out, hasn't he? There's no point in saying you know towering performances, you know, yeah. last ditch tackles and stuff like that, but. If you're making mistakes of that ilk that are going to concede goals, then it really needs to cut that out. I mean, it? I personally think Keane's the best centre half of the club. Right. Um, I think. I think Mina still needs time to bed in. I think he's not. I think the jury is still out on him. I think Zuma. I do like Zuma, but he's a bit. To be honest with you, he's probably similar to Keane. You know what I mean? It was. It was. It was. Um, you know, Zuma was partly at fault for one of the goals um, Tottenham scored. You know miscommunication with the goalkeeper um, but I do I think that back four in general has got to learn to cut out the mistakes you know because it seems to be one a game at the minute you know where it's like stupid stupid error and it's like you know we could have easily got punished yesterday with, a, with an half decent striker on the end of that mm. um, but but yeah I don't think it's just Keane I do think I think it's the, the, the lot of them Lucas Dean included not just I'm not just as a unit uh, just, just as, as a unit. complete unit yeah you know at the end of the day they all play out from the back and it tends to go from Coleman right past the centre-half to, to Lucas Dean. They're all getting touches of the ball in these areas and things like that. And yeah, they def- need to defend as a unit. They shouldn't be singling out um, individuals at the minute. Um, but but as for Keane, you know, barring that mistake yesterday, I thought he had a great game. And a, and a last-ditch save and tackle as well right at the end. Mm. Um, uh, it's, you know, to, to save the points. I think he's assumed quite a lot of responsibility. Yes, yeah, 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 and he, and and he's much much improved compared to what he was last year as well. You know, last year he was he was a shell of a human, wasn't yeah. he? His confidence was low. He was carrying injuries, and he was he was kind of like one of the scapegoats, really, wasn't he? Over what once the season kind of as the season went on. But um, when you look at him coming off the pitch yesterday, he was absolutely yeah. soaking wet. His button was undone on on his shirt. Yeah. It was sodden. It was halfway down his chest, and he looked like. He was absolutely shattered. Yeah. It was a superb performance. Yeah, but it, like I said, just that team needs to cut out the mistakes as a unit rather than like as individuals. And uh, the, the, the defence has got signs of being a great defence, really, if truth be told. I think the right-back position, we've spoke about this before, I think it does need addressing. But you've got, for me, the best left-back in the Premier League now. And then you've got three good centre-halves there who can, you know, who, who can certainly form a partnership. Well, that was, whichever way we play that was going to be one of my questions is Luca Dean the best left back in the Premier League of course, so he is. Of, course, answered of course he is um, Matthew just, just staying on the theme of the defence then should we obviously it's great that Zuma and Keane have you know f- like formed this, this great partnership and along with Dean and you know you know Coleman and stuff like that uh, but that centre back partnership's been great but should we not be concerned slightly that Silva spent a lot of money on Yeri Mina and he can't seem to get in get in the team at the moment I know he's been in and out don't get me wrong so it's it's not like it's like he's not in the team at all but it looks like Keane and Zuma as a partnership we've spent a lot of money on this fella haven't we we have I, I think it, it it's a bit of a two-way conversation this it's when do we reach the point of the season where we have to play Mina and Keane because they're our players mm. and we have to form a partnership with them and they have to get used to each other. And the second part of it is, well, at what point are we going to go to Chelsea and say we want to buy Zuma? And if we can buy him, then what do we do then going forward? And surely the more he plays for us, the more Chelsea are seeing that and thinking, well, the price is going to rise because he uh, keeps playing. 100%. 
I mean, the, the, the issue he's had with, with Chelsea is that they've sent him on loan to Stoke. They've sent him on loan to us. Um, he has just signed a new six-year deal. He's signed I think, a six-year well. deal. At, at, at what point does he get into that a, team? Are they going to say, mm. right, okay, well, you, you've got a chance with us now because you know there's Rudiger there, there's Christiansen, who's a brilliant defender, and you can't get a game for him. Aspilicueta, um, David Luiz, Gary Cahill, Gary Cahill. Yeah, mm. you know, there's a plethora of centre halves there, and he's the one they keep on sending out on loan. So when is is he going to turn around to the club and say, well, what what are you doing with me? Am, am I part of your future, or, or do I? Do I go? He seems very happy here. You know, he, he seems to be enjoying his football and he, he's been great for us. I think the thing, just touching back on Yeri Mina there though, I think the thing with him is at the end of the day, he's, he he barely played for Barcelona last year. He's gone to a World Cup and had a great World Cup. You know, let's give him time to bed into the English game. It's not easy. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough league to play in obviously and I think I think over time and next year, I think we'll see the best, you know, the best of him once he's had time to settle down and things like that. And mm. you know, you, you can come in as a striker or any any other position really. I think and and kind of find it easier to settle in. But as centre half, you know, it, it is a tough, tough league. And whilst he's got the, whilst he's got the luxury of Zuma and Keane, who are Premier League experience, let's go with that. Whilst we're you know whilst he's bedding in and bring him on like he did yesterday. You know, or play him in games like against them. You know, he played him in against um, Lincoln. Lincoln. You know, was like he going to be happy with that though? Um, probably not. But it's it's up to him to make for Silver to to make Silver make that decision, isn't it? You mm. know, at the end of the day, he spent he spent the money on him. Um, you know, make him force your way into the team, show that you you know that you're good enough. And to be and to be fair, when we played. Um, you know, we played Chelsea away, and and Mina played in that game, and he had a, he had a decent game there. He played against Liverpool, he had a decent game there. You know, Silver has been known to chop and change that back back that, that back to quite a fair bit. So you know, I'm sure he'll get his chance again. Um, Connor, Rob just said there, Luca Dean is he is he the best left back in the Premier League at the moment? I yeah. think it, does it mention? I didn't see it because obviously it was at the game, but was it mentioned on Sky? By Carragher, that he was the best left back in the Premier League. One off, one off, one off. Yeah, is that what he said one off. I think he, <laughs> I think he said something along them lines. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he definitely is for me because the, the only other alternative to best left back in the league is across the park, isn't he? So he's got to be the best left back. Otherwise, the only that's the only alternative to him is the one across the park, isn't yeah. it? The, the I think you know it. it it's quite remarkable, really. Look, the, the rise of Luca Dean because. For years, we, we sat there and said, oh, you know, when, when Baines' time's up, we're going to struggle. It could take five left-backs to get. We'll never get someone as good as Leighton Baines. And I think it's actually testament to how good Dean is yeah. that, you know, it's a bit like Leighton Who. I mean, don't get me wrong, in the cup game of the week against Lincoln, he showed classes of his, you know, Baines rolled back the years in many respects and, and showed the class that he's still got. It's just a pity that, you know, age has caught up for him now when he's a little bit older, but... The, the way Luca Dean has come in and just sort of cemented himself in at left back and is playing as if he's been there for many, many years is not sure it's remarkable. And I think he's got, is it the most assists? Is that the most left back for this season? For this season, he's, he's, I think he's up there, isn't he? Can't, I need, to, need to check that one. I th- he's, he's on three goals as well. He's on three goals, yeah, isn't he? Can't knock that. Um, I, so, think, I think what I like about Luca Dean is that I think he's a. 
I think he's one of the few winners in that team. Yeah. You know, he, he always, he's, he's, for me, he's the one marshalling that defence. I watched, I watched him do it a few times yesterday. He's given the rest of them, you know, what for when they've made mistakes and things like that. And yeah, he ju I just feel like he's one of the few winners within that team who can really like push us on to the next level and we can get more Luca Deans in the team than great. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your priority then, Matthew, for, for the re remainder of the season? Then we've got obviously, um, st you know, still in the cup, uh, you know, 10th in the league now, two points off seventh. What, what would you, what do you want to see now come May? I think seventh is very realistic for us. I think seventh and a good cup run is very realistic for us. And I think if we can find the form in the league to take into the cup game, I think with cup games, then we can we can keep it going. I think we can go pretty far in the cup. I think the draw will open up for us after the next round of results, if, if we can get through. Certainly, I think, few Premier League I, think there's six, I think there's six Premier League teams due to go out in the next round. And if if we can get through, we get a, a decent draw. Then three games from Wembley, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Who, who knows what can happen from there? But um, depending on what we do in, in the window, if we, if we do bring somebody in, then you know we're two points off seventh. We've got Southampton, Huddersfield, Watford before Man City, Cardiff before Man City. So you know that could tip us over forty odd points. Hmm. I think we can really, really have a good run at seventh. I think as well with with a cup run comes decent league form because at the end of the day these players are going to want to play in them cup games and get themselves playing for the places yeah you're playing for the place in the, uh, potentially you know a semi-final or a final aren't you and you're going to want to be in the team so I remember that season um, under Moyes when we had that Europa League campaign and an FA Cup campaign and they were too great and the, the league kind of came with it as well because they were all wanted to be part of the you know the, the, the momentum the, the, the momentum in the big cup games and we did really well that year and you know, hopefully this year can be um, can be quite similar. I mean, I, I must admit that in the the week build up to the Lincoln game, I did have to kind of bite me tongue, me twist the tongue, <laughs> and not go on around because it drives me absolutely insane when people ever tell me stuff about we should have a good cup and we should be aiming for a cup run. We should be going out to win the cup. Win the yeah. cup, yeah. Because, cup. you know, when, when you're in our position, you haven't won nothing since 1995. We can't be sitting there being picky and choosy, can we? Going, Semi-final, oh, do. Saying, yeah. oh, <laughs> you know, if we get to the quarterfinals, that'll be all right. And, you know, we, we should really target the cup this year. We, we should be targeting the, the League Cup and the FA Cup every year. I mean, the League Cup's always the one that's got me. That's... It's the poison challenge. just... Like, when you see them weakened teams year on year, and you, you're just thinking to yourself, do you not realise if we won that, we've been... Europe by February you know and I think the FA Cup this year is, is of similar look you know we get to around the semi-final stage in April and you know it, we're 8th or we're ninth, and you know we might not make 7th potential Europa League you know we get win the FA Cup you, you're guaranteed a place then aren't you so I think you know we, we should be going all out to win to win the cup. I, I think the saying of a good cup run it's, it's a myth isn't it because you know many a times we've got to a semi-final a final you know in recent in recent years and and got beat and you know you've gone to Wembley and you're absolutely devastated about you know the results so mm. that's not a good cut run it, I mean it is a good cut run but you're absolutely devastated come the end of it so it's it's a myth it it, it doesn't exist you know good cut runs are for league one teams league yeah. two teams who yeah, uh, make the money yeah exactly you know we would obviously make money but it's not really gonna we're not making mega bucks though, no we? exactly do you know what I mean I, I, obviously I, th I think there was a, a stat last was it last year where 
something like you winning the FA Cup is the equivalent of finishing like seventeenth, I think, for in the league for mm. what you get money. Wait, sorry, I don't, I don't think it was less than winning. When coming seventeenth was less than what you get for winning the FA Cup. Yeah. So financially, we're not, we don't make nothing out of it. It's just the fact of it's a chance to win silverware and a chance to put our put ourselves back on the map. I, I always remember what Lukaku said a couple of years ago, just before he left Everton. He was talking to Vincent Company on one of his famous international duties where he'd probably been speaking to the press as well about leaving. And he said, Man City come into obviously a lot of money and then it took them a while to get that mm -hmm. first and then they won the FA Cup. They beat, they beat Stoke 1-0. And then after that, the next one come and then the next one yeah, come. Success, and I about that um, from, I think it was Joe Hart because they beat Man United in the semi-final yes, at Wembley yeah. until Torrey scored. And he says it was the result that gave them belief. He said because we won on the biggest stage when it mattered most. He went because we'd, we'd spent all this money, we'd invested it all, mm. and you know we had a lot of good players, but we, didn't, we never we never really won big games as a team. We never got ourselves over the line as a team. He said, but when we beat Man U at Manchester United at Wembley that, that time, that was the first time we won a big game as a team, and it brought us all together and made us want to win even more and, and yeah. kick on. And I think that's what we we need that sort of mm. that galvanizing moments where you defy all odds and you you, you get you get you get rewards for it. It was the first thing that Mourinho did. It was with Chelsea. It was win the league cup mm. because yeah. you got the habit. Then it's right. We're winners. Yeah. You're winners, boys. You know we'll go to the next one, then the next one, and the next one, and did the same at United League Cup. Mm. And I know we're talking about And, talking and it starts including the Community Shield, didn't you? And trophies, <laughs> that, and trophies that you can't just win. Hey, we've done that in the past. Maybe Sam Wayne's all that. Don't knock it, like. It's about that winning habit. And, you know, <coughs> yeah. we can win big games and we can win trophies. And I'm not saying we're on, you know, we're on level with them, them Man City teams or that, them Chelsea teams, but, you know... It, it, like you said, it just breeds confidence, and you think, "All right, we'll get the next one." Now. I think it gives us as fans belief, doesn't it? That you know, we can win big games when it matters most and get ourselves line. Because for a couple of years under David Moyes, we were kind of the best of the rest, but we never we never got ourselves over the lines when it mattered most. You, mm -hmm. you know, even you look back at like Florentina at home in Europe in the yeah. the UEFA Cup as it was called then. You know, we should have beat them five 0 that night at Goodison. I know we were two 0 down and we'd done really well to get it back. Yeah, but I don't know. We, but we and then you look at like that year after that year, you know, Rangers got to the the, the, the final yeah. and got beat by Zenit St. Petersburg. We'd be the only team who beat that year and you just think that to yourself, aren't you? Yeah. know, if only, you know. It's one of them is it's like I come out of that game convinced if we'd have won that game, we'd have won the competition. Mm. It would that you know, <coughs> you know the way Joe Hart was saying there that, that was that city, that was that yeah. city's galvanizing moment. To come from two 0 down and win that game, I think that would have just set us on the right on the right path there. But obviously, it wasn't meant to be. But it is. It's just and and as well winning these trophies, it puts you it puts your club in the shop windows to say, well, hang on a minute, you know, top notch player there, you mm. know, 60, 70 million pounds. Like, I mean, they're winning trophies. I'm, I want to go there. I think that's that's a key thing for for the summer as well. Is that if we don't finish seventh and we don't get Europa League when we are trying to sign players. Mm then what can you offer? Well, we can't offer European football. We're a relatively wealthy club now, so we, we can pay the wages. But coming off a season where we've actually won something, it can be a really, yeah. really big you know, carrot yeah. to somebody who, who wants to come and play in England. Or We're playing in a charity shield in, the, in August, mate. Do you want to play? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not against Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true, though, isn't it? You, 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 look, you look at space, don't you, at the minute, and there's a lot of people saying, 
them exact same questions now about Pochettino and Spurs, aren't mm. they? They play great football, you know. They've got, they've got great good, got great young players, but when it really matters most, they don't get themselves out of the line because they haven't won nothing. Yeah. So now people are saying Pochettino's got to win the League yeah. Cup because it's got he's got to make that signal of intent of we can go that little bit further like all the other great teams have over mm. the years. And I think we need to do the same in terms of not the scale of which Spurs are under scrutiny, but just as a club and a fan base that we can, you know, but like going to Anfield, isn't it? We need to go to Anfield and, and win because we need to prove that. We are Regardless not, of whether it's a, a good performance or, or not. Yeah, we yeah. just need to get ourselves over the line and win and, and prove that we're not in awe of them and we don't go there and just freeze on it matters most. No, absolutely. Uh, Connor, you wanted you wanted this question in the podcast, so I'll, uh, I'll ask you. Um, you were mentioning about, you know, Davis and, you know, the likes of what, what we could realistically you know, require um, you know demand or whatever from him if he was to uh, to leave in in January. Is that is that the type of question that you? No, I was just wondering: is he the the only real sellable asset we've got in terms of players who could leave? Right. Because I think obviously Machete and Brands have sort of come out and said only that we're going to tighten the the waist belts and we're not. It's like a one in one out. We're not going to kind of kick, kick along and you know continue to splash the cash like we have done in the past. I just think if you look at the players who are kind of a, a transfer list, the old saying of transfer listed, I think, you know, Morgan Stirling and the Aston, there's a couple Chosen. of us haven't been, who've been told that they can, they can leave. How much are we going to actually generate from getting rid of them players? Whereas with Tom Davis, is he the one who we could actually give to someone and get maybe, I don't know, 15 million for if he was to leave the club? Do you think anyone's going to come in 15 million for Tom Davis? Well, I didn't think anyone would come in and pay. 19 million for Dominic, Dominic Solanke, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Liverpool so. just seems to have this knack of just ridiculous, getting the ridiculous money for I mean, average players. There must players. be someone at Bournemouth who's a big Liverpool fan because they've took <laughs> Jordan I, Brad Smith and Solanke often for and now Klein on loan. But I think for them three players alone, they've spent over just short of 40 million. Just speaking about Nathaniel Klein, uh, can we just all remember that when Bernard sent him, <laughs> sent, him back, <laughs> sent him back to last week yesterday? <laughs> sent him to the echo. It's a really good point about Solanke because if, if you look at him and Calvert-Lewin who have been sort of peers, if you like, in, in mm. the England setup and have had a similar path through through Premier League football that Carvert-Lewin scored so many more goals than him he's arguably been England's choice in terms of their their age group and he's won the winner in a World Cup he scored the winner in a World Cup so if we were to sell Carvert-Lewin if Solanke's worth 19 then what what, yeah. what would he mm. be worth mm. and you know Tom Davis if, if you knew what his definite position was and his role in the team then I, I think you could probably put an accurate assessment on on what you think he, he is worth but you don't know whether he's a box-to-box midfielder you don't know if he plays between the 8 and the 10 you, you don't know if he's if he's yeah. a ball carrier and that's why I think a loan before anything before t- I think Tom Davis does need that loan now in the championship yeah. so you look at the likes of Leon Osborne I know you yeah, know different different time of football but he didn't really come into the forfeit the first thing so it was like 23 but don't forget though Leon Osborne you know a similar kind of build not that fast but mm. good technically on the ball and it took him, I think it was Carlisle and Derby County, didn't he? Where he, yeah. where, he where, where he got his loans and he yeah. come back and he was, you know, he was arguably one of our. He made our midfield tick for the best part of five or six years. You know, going forward, he's a really clever player, and you know, Tom Davis probably does need something similar. So in terms of selling him, you know, probably not really there yet on him, but um, yeah. 
All right, before we move on to the fan questions then, Rob, do you want to just go on your usual rant of referees and Anthony Taylor? It's like, I'm not even sure now. Are they just that bad? Or is it blatant cheating? I'm genuinely not sure. Like, <laughs> like I, I remember, was, I remember we knew we were on a couple of, a couple of months ago, and we had a, a bad refereeing performance. And it ends up coming to the conclusion of like, should the Premier League start signing referees? That was mental. Someone, someone was on with us and said, "Do you a fan's question?" It was a fan like, question. Should, should we start? Should the Premier League start signing ref- foreign referees? Foreign yeah. referee like, leagues. Yeah, there was a, there was three. Well, actually, no, there was more than that. But the moments I'm going to pick on here, right? <coughs> Bournemouth had a throw on the corner flag, right, towards the Gladys Street end, right? The linesman standing there, sees the ball go out. Right wha- by the corner flag. Right by the corner like, And I'm talking, like, less than a foot away from the corner flag. Why were they allowed to take that 10 or 12 yards further forward without any kind of repercussion, right? There was a moment in the second half as well. Um, was it Walcott? towards the park end corner flag. It's just towards the end. Made, it makes a great tackle. 50-50 challenge. You know, it's a foul. And it's a foul. Zuma gets... You know what? Match of the day was hilarious last night because uh, was it Jermaine Gina said, yeah, Josh King there, you know, really outmuscles um, Kurt Zuma. He, he nearly took the shirt off his back <laughs> and it's like nothing was given. Well, there was another incident <laughs> where, I mean... I think it was a Coleman hit the ball against a Bournemouth defender and his hand. Yeah, Aki's hand, yeah. Um, watched match of the day last night and he just brushed past it and just said, oh, it's in yeah. his, his hand. Jim Jane said, oh, his hand is up. And I was yeah. they moved But up. then that was literally it. They didn't that say anything yeah. about Zuma, that, that incident with Zuma. Yeah, they, they thought that was, you know, that was a fair, fair, fair play by Josh. But I just couldn't believe that display yesterday. It was just... It, I, I felt like he had it in for Richarlison from the start. From to the be start, honest. yeah. I mean, I'm not like accusing anyone of anything, by the way, but I just felt he was Richarlison. Obviously, he does go over quite easy, and he does, you know, he's you know a bit of a yeah, moan. Yeah, he is. But you know, when he doesn't get his way, he's like arms all over the place, isn't he? I felt like he could tell. He's like, I'm watching you. I know exactly what you're doing, and I'm you, waiting for you he, to make that. And he did. He booked him in the end for a for a challenge against um, Cook, didn't he? And, and but I thought the entire game, he just I don't think he had control. Like that, that fight that we were talking about with where Gomez and Zuma got booked. It was comp- the Bournemouth players should have been booked too. Dan yeah. Gosling and that um, is it Lerma, the guy they had Gibson in, in Lerma. Jeff, you know, should have been booked for it as well. And it was just complete and utter bias. And then that little Brooks diving as well. He he was looking at the referee before he's he was looking back and his arms were up. As, yeah, as if to say, and nothing was given. I, it's unreal. Well, obviously, it feels like we were playing against twelve, but. Did it not help us in the end with the atmosphere, getting the crowd up there? Because, you know, you were seeding. You. I know, yeah, I was bold, was boiling. <laughs> did, it, did, did it not help us, though? Is that not the, I'm not saying it's the best atmosphere we've had, but certainly the second half, we felt the crowd were getting on the referees back yeah. rather than the players. It, it did, and I think it helped build the atmosphere that, that bit more because, <coughs> as you said, the, the fans weren't having a go at the players. It was all directed at the ref, and there was anger. Like siege mentality was, type thing. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, there was... It was audible. You you could you could hear it. Whereas games over the last six weeks, you can hear the players talking to each other. You you can hear yeah. the the manager shouting from from the sideline. But yesterday, all you heard was the crowd just absolutely giving it to the referee. But it's like obviously VAR is coming in next year, isn't it? And I'm all for it because it puts clowns like that in 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 100%. you know in you know in the in the headlines. You know you got that wrong, mate. At the end of the day, but at the same time though, you've got the same clowns making the decisions behind the screens. Haven't you? Or, or saying to them, well, you know, that was, you know, started a pen there or whatever. You know, Harry Kane was borderline, you know, w- was offside. 
the other day against the, was he? A, against you. Yeah, he was. But well, no, because this the other thing with VR, isn't it? What camera angles they're going to use? Because they're going to use their own camera angles, aren't they? But there's other something to do. There's other camera angles that sometimes clubs pick feet up off or something like along the, them the, lines. The, the, the so Chelsea analyst said the lines so, weren't straight on on the. So, so yeah, but he was, he was an angle, wasn't he? Yeah, Chelsea yeah. had on their feed that showed he was off that he was offside. But then there was an angle that Sky used. That they said far, so that was onside. So it's never ever going to fix. It's never ever going to solve the problem, is it? I, I think what it will do is is make referees accountable. I think that's what it'll, it'll highlight it. Who are the real, real bad referees? I mean, we, we've had one good referee this year, which was Chris Cavanagh in the derby. Mm. That he's, yeah. he's been the only good ref. You know, sadly the game went. It did, but it, from from a letting the game go, in probably the most physical game we've had this year. Hmm. He let it. He let it go. It was, I think it was a superb game, and he was. He played really. He I think yesterday. Really I, think, well. I think it showed yesterday, right after we scored that second goal. I mean, we've come away from a win, and we're talking about a poor refereeing performance, and the referee was chanted off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that. I think that just goes to show how poor and he, he actually was. He was that up as well. You know what I mean? I, I think they love it. But he's he's have, he'd have to love it, wouldn't they? Cele- the celebrity <laughs> referees. <laughs> I'm, honestly, I'm honestly surprised <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't go and clap with the clap yeah. with the Bournemouth players towards <laughs> he, the away fans he, at the he end went, of it. He went full on Uriah Rennie. He was loving that. Surprised they go in the dressing room afterwards. I'm only messing. He didn't really. <laughs> 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 I'm surprised he didn't. Whenever Bournemouth had the free kick, I'm surprised he didn't put the ball down. It's like, come on, lads, I'll whip one in for you. Just, it's ridiculous how poor it was yesterday and. You've got no faith in them to referee games properly anymore. It's That's a talking point, isn't it? It's yeah. a talking point. How long have you got? Come on. <laughs> we haven't got long, to be honest. So we'll go through the, uh, the fan questions. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast. There's a couple here, so we've kind of touched on this, but um, Matthew, Robert Parle has said, what do you feel is our ideal centre-back partnership for the rest of the season? I think Keane and Zuma, but we need to get Mina in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rob, Mike Kerfoot has said, I mean, I'm not going to ask you this because I know what your answer is going to be. It's about referees. I'll ask it. No, <laughs> I'll ask Connor. Mike Kerfoot asked if, uh, if Luckman keep, keeps his spot in the, in the team now, is it time to move Walcott on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unanimous. He, he just frustrates the life out he doesn't he? and I was, I was delighted to see Luckman get a, a run out yesterday you know it's been I think he's been a little bit unlucky over the Christmas period that he's, been, he's had a knock because there was multiple opportunities over the December fixture list to, to, to get walk out of the squad but I think we kind of found a little bit of we had no one else to turn to so we had to he had to play so I, and I was delighted to see Luckman get back in the squad but I think it's easier said than done moving walk out on isn't it because I imagine it'd be on a lot of money and I think how many suitors would genuinely come in and want to pay what we paid for them to come? You're going another loss, aren't you? Over a year ago, exactly, yeah. And, you know, I think the wages as well be a big thing because you can't really see many clubs below us who'd want to go all out to give Walcott what he probably demands because he's probably got very little to offer moving forward in the coming years. OK, Rob, Callum Lapsley. Is it possible Luckman can play as a number 10 as he seems to think, make things tick and make things happen? Um he also seems to uh, Callum seems to think Sigurdsson's not doing that at the moment. So, is it worth a shot looking at as a number ten behind it? I think. Like I think. I spoke about this with someone after the match yesterday. The idea of Luckman being having a free role, and I think. I think I could be a, an option to be honest with you. I think his 
his ball attention's great and he can certainly pick a pass out. The same with Bernard as well. Perhaps them two could, you know, have three roles. As for Sigurdsson, uh, he had a poor first half, but second half I thought he was fantastic. Um, but it, it, it's him along with the rest of the team as well this past, you know, six to eight weeks where it's been quite poor so it's, I think it's been unfair to single him out but because you know you look at his return this year he's put on six or seven goals already and but yeah uh, he's obviously not been great but neither the rest of the team um, Matthew Chris Blundell has said or asked um, just a kind of guy in games against the top teams he comes into his own and regular man of, man of the match performances but against the lower opposition he seems to, to go missing do, do you agree with that is it is that is it a simple case of against the, the big teams he ups his game and you know the lower teams, he, he can't really reach that standard, is that? I think against the, the lower teams, then the onus is honest to play football. Yeah. And he's brilliant at fighting fires. He's fantastic at closing down and um, and minimising the opposition. But when, when we've got to play, then there's so much emphasis on Gomez because Ghana struggles to pass. Predominantly things go sideways or backwards and it doesn't really help us in what we're trying to do to to move forward as quickly as can play through the phases quickly so I think that he's spot on in his assessment with that good shelter good shelter on the analysis as well um right last two very quickly um Connor this one's on the stadium so after last week's AGM and articles about the stadium capacity and calculations on our match day revenue and how it must increase and some people are suggesting ticket prices might even you know double uh, when we get into Bramley more will that deter people will it deter you from going the game as a fan um, it's a tough one that because you just you don't know do you because you don't know hey, when, when we're going to be playing in Bramley more do you you know well if if, if things were going to go as the timeline was it was it mm. five years four or five years 2022 20, yeah so if we were to end up there and you know take our prices I mean obviously it's a, it's a very difficult situation uh, question to ask because you don't know circumstances but at this moment in time what's a season ticket now say in the Gladys Street £500, 500 pounds. Yeah. if it was to go to eight that 900 isn't. to a grand would that would that deter you from going? I suppose I, it. I'd like to think it would, but I don't think it. I'd like to think I would take the staunch approach and go and pay in that. But I suppose not, it would but, depend on what's going on on the pitch, though, as well. Yeah, yeah if but, you're playing yeah. well, you know what I mean. You probably wouldn't mind spending that money on it, would you? No. But at the same time, if we're, you know, yeah, what are we now? Tenth and, and Everton trying to charge me nine hundred to a thousand quid for the season ticket. It'd be very difficult to. Well, be I had that problem didn't he, for years at the Emirates because they were whacked the price up didn't he mm. to, to pay for the stadium because they were struggling financially and a lot of the fans were saying well why should I pay a thousand pounds a year to watch a team that's continually sells its best players and, and is, is bringing nothing in to recruit the players you were missing yeah. I think a big influence will be when we do get to Brownlee Moore is how many corporate seats will be there and mm. how how heavily that impacts on impacts, yeah. what the match day income will be and I think that'll filter down then to whether we reduce the number of season ticket holders to charge premium prices for walk-up supporters like Liverpool do. Mm. So now we've got 31,300 season ticket holders. There's only a, f- a couple of thousand seats that go on general general release and very little corporate hospitality, whereas in Bramley Moor, mm. it'll probably change completely. Mm. Um, last question. We've got time for it. I just want a yes or no answer from everyone because I'd, I'd love to go into it, but Steve Davis... Uh, still fuming with the referee. Surely it's time the club made some sort of official complaint. What are your thoughts? Do you think, yes or no, should we make an official complaint? One million percent. 
Rob? Do you have to ask? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go on, is it? Waste of time. Waste of time. It, it is not, right there. Not, it is, not, waste, not, it is a waste of change. time. Because they'll they're too protected. You couldn't get yeah, and mm. you can they'll just say, Well, you can all, we can all deal with the hammers out there. The last time we did this was when Moyes complained about Andy Johnson yeah. not getting penalties. Mm. And he never got any penalties after Moyes complained. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All right, well we'll leave it on a positive note. Everton did uh, beat Bournemouth two 0 three points yesterday. So uh, next game is Southampton. Will be previewed in the Royal Blue podcast later in the week. To my guests Matthew, Rob, and Connor, I appreciate you coming on as always, and uh, we'll see you again at uh, some point in the uh, next couple of weeks. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.